This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If there's one thing that's lacking in USMNT content, it's English availability of information around Iran and some of the other teams that are lesser known to the English audience in the World Cup. So today we're going to be looking at the Iranian national team in Group B with the U.S. team. He's an Iranian-American, Chayan, who runs Next Generation Football. So make sure to check his channel out. Chayan from Next Generation Football, thanks so much for joining the channel. How are you doing today, man? I am doing brilliant. I appreciate you taking the time to have me on, and I'm super excited to talk about whatever we're going to be talking about in today's video, which all the viewers will be finding out. Yes, absolutely. So I know you have the Sounders jersey on. Um, and a few other teams in the background. But today I want to talk about the Iranian national team and what their strengths and weaknesses are. The key players just allow the U.S. national team fans that are watching this channel to learn more about one of the opponents that we're going to take on in the World Cup this winter. Before we even get to any of that, though, just give it to us straight. Is Iran a team that we need to worry about? Are they a dark horse in this tournament? Biasly, I will want to say yes, and even maybe even unbiasedly, I can not subconsciously not say they're not. And I think, yes, this should 100% be a nation that the U.S. men's national team, even England, should be worrying about. I mean, if people are very, fairly knowledgeable about the World Cup, there's always upsets, no matter what. So no team should be a team that you should look over in any World Cup. And specifically after the, the campaign Iran had, yeah, it was a short one, but it was the one that had a lot of eye openers in the previous World Cup in 2018, even in 2014. It was a we even date back to then. 2014, everyone thought Argentina, Iran, the finalists, they were going to roll over Iran. It took a moment of messy magic to just steal that three points for Argentina against Spain. I mean, it surprisingly, it's probably the best ever performance I've ever seen as an Iranian was the game against Spain. We were all over Spain, the world champions of 2010, and then Portugal. We're literally one miss away from actually getting three points and topping that group. So 100%, I'd say they can be dark horses. I will say that because I'm, I'm going to be biased, so we can't blame me. And <laughs> I think, yes, the United States should not look over uh, the Iranian national team. Yeah, well, we don't blame you for that. And we, we definitely do the same on the U.S. national team side. So why are you here to talk about the Iranian national team? And who are you? What is your channel? Um, so my name is Cheyenne. I am the host and owner of Next Generation Football and Rave Green TV. So that's a Sounders fan channel. And then Next Generation Football is my personal channel where I just talk about MLS, CONCACAF, the Iranian national team, my three biggest interests, because I think the MLS is the best league in the world. I absolutely love the MLS. And, you know, I just I love making content. I love talking to amazing people like yourself and you know, and makes the world go around. And I think this is the best sport in the world. So that's, I think that's a good small snippet about things awesome. about me. Well, we appreciate your time and we're happy to have you on the channel because it's great to have um, English speakers that can give us a preview of maybe teams that don't have a lot of access to English speaking commentary. And Iran is definitely one of those teams that only has a few people that can kind of come to this audience and teach us about what their team is about and how they set up. Um, I, I was looking through their form and depending on when you're 
watching this, they haven't, they've lost one game in their last 14 matches. So they are on blazing form right now. Maybe let's just start there. Like what are the biggest strengths of the Iranian national team? What is cause for that incredible form that they're on? Our sponsor today is Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, the fights, even next season's fixtures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series this year? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. So people will say... I'll first go into the third person perspective. People say, well, they play against like Lebanon, Iraq, and all these not so good nations. At the end of the day, they got to handle business. It's not easy to always be able to beat the smaller minnows in World Cup qualifying, but maybe the success Iran has, I think they've, they weren't this successful. Let's say maybe like 12 years ago, they did not qualify for the 2010 World Cup and and a whole new era began after that failed qualification, similarly to maybe the United States when they failed the previous time for the World Cup. There's a whole new era um, for the Iranian national team. They brought in a legendary head coach, Carlos Kirosh, former assistant of Manchester United, Portugal national team. And he rebuilt this nation to being a team of they don't lose games. And if they win games, they usually only win it 1-0. It's nothing flashy. It's just nice and tidy, easy peasy. And I think that's what began the success. This World Cup qualifying actually was a little bit rocky waters, though. And we started off with Mark Wilmot, the former Belgium national team coach, I believe, back in 2015, 14. I could be wrong, but he was the former Belgium national team coach. Lost the first two games of qualifying, and then we went cruise control. I think the biggest success and like what makes our national team so successful is We've now built a winning mentality in World Cup qualifying. We expect nothing less than Iran being the best nation in Asia. And that's what FIFA put us in, in World Cup, uh, the FIFA World Rankings. So I think that's a part of it. And we have now a plethora of players playing throughout Europe. Not because it wasn't not a norm for Iranian footballers to do that. I mean, one in particular, uh, Ali Dai. I mean, a record that Cristiano Ronaldo took ages and was dying to break his, his record for most international goals was a club legend for Hertha Berlin. And there's many others. I mean, Mehdi Maftakia has a has an academy in Germany as well. He used to play there for a long time. So there's there's many great players that played in Europe. But I think we have like a core group of players that play in Europe. It's like a good mix, in my opinion. Experience and some youth that play in the Persian uh, Pro Golf League. And so I think part of the success is we've just built this mentality, which I think the U.S. Will, are slowly starting to build for themselves, especially after four games of not losing against Mexico. Like they've built now in Mexican minds. We're not losing to the Mexican national team anymore. So it's like similarly to that. Yeah, it definitely has, seems like there's a lot of similarities and maybe we're on the earlier side of building that, but we have such a young team. Is that kind of similar in Iran or is the mix of players more across the board in terms of ages and experience? Yeah, it, it is. It's very much kind of across the board. I would say we're a little bit on the oldie side of things, which isn't bad for a World Cup. A bit of a, a fair amount of experience never hurts. And that's that's a good thing for Iran going into this World Cup as well. And not to say it's a bad thing for the U.S. that they have a really young squad, but with a young squad comes inconsistency. And that's where I could 
tip it a little bit to the Iranian national team that they have experienced the core crop of players, eight, nine of them were in the previous World Cup and three, four of them were even in the 2014 World Cup. So it's really good experience to have, especially against big nations. And this group is not going to be a cakewalk for any nation. I'm calling out the English fans because they're saying this is a cakewalk. By far, no means. Do you know yourselves? You're the, the England <laughs> national team. Nothing is straightforward for you guys. And so... um. I, I would say it, it's a little bit on the oldier side, but I don't really mind it. This is kind of the golden generation, you could say, for Iranian football, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's that's almost what you want, actually, when players have two, maybe three World Cups under their belt to go from 2014 to 2018 and now have that generation together. You've lost one game in the last 14 matches. You have players with two World Cups under their belt. I mean, they kind of know what's at stake going into those matches where maybe for a team like the U.S. and you have DeAndre Edlin, and <laughs> that's about it uh, on the team right now that has World Cup experience. I think that can definitely tip in the favor of a team like Iran. Um, so how can how can U.S. and how can English teams exploit the Iranian national team? What are the weaknesses of that team? I don't think there's any weaknesses. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is definitely um, biased. <laughs> um. I hope uh, Garrett Southgate and Greg Berhalter aren't taking any notes in this video because I know they're avid viewers of your channel. But <laughs> I would say, you know, the game that you can, I guess, is the best sample size for these na like national teams and even fans watching this video is maybe watch the game against South Korea the second go-around. Because the first go-around, I just think Iran played really well. It ended in a draw. They did hit the woodwork twice on two absolutely brilliant moments from two individual players. But I'd say a good sample size to look at is the Korea game in Korea, but I will say to, to draw back a little bit is they were missing like four or five main players, but it's not really a valid excuse to lose a game somewhat as bad as they did. I would say kind of the weaknesses is when shit hits the fan, shit hits the fan for Iran. And the thing is, is when they lose, though, they don't even lose by much. They only lose by a maximum of two goals. I have never seen the Iranian national team lose 2-0 in a very, very long time. So actually when I saw that result, I was like, well, shit, this is kind of bad if we're losing a game 2-0 because we only lose 1-0 if we lose a game normally. But weaknesses is get Iran out of their comfort zone because I'd say if, if you get them in their comfort zone, they're feeling themselves a little bit, and I think that could go for every nation, but more specifically a team with experience because with inexperience or with poor coaching, you could see that they might get out of their comfort zone very easily. Iran, it's a little bit more tougher. Try to get them out of their comfort zone. So maybe make them have more possession, which I don't think is the worst thing, but that's on their comfort zone. So make them have more possession. Make them um, not play the ball as much to make the Tadami, Sardar Asmoon, who are the two big, big name players uh, on the national team that everyone has most likely heard of. So try to limit them to not giving the ball to them. I mean, Mehdi was not available in the game against Korea. You can see how much that hurt uh, Iran in the offensive third. So I'd say get them out of their comfort zone. Try to, when you limit them, if you don't give it to Mehdi Sardar, there's a little bit of a, I don't want to say a little, but a decent-ish amount of a creativity loss in that offense. And you mentioned the comfort zone. It's like, talk to us a little bit about how this team sets up. What is their comfort zone, actually? I would say, a lot of people would say on face value, they'd be like, this team just parks the bus. And yes, that, that was our tactic. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone's everyone's been through that cycle, okay? And under Carlos Kirosh, that was, not, that, was, that was what we did in 2014, 2018, because we were a team that was in turmoil. We didn't qualify for the 2010 World Cup. So what's the, what's the best route to success? 
park the bus and at minimum you get a point, maybe you get three. And so you're building, you're building a system within this team. That was probably the most youth soccer basic thing you can do for a national team is like, okay, let's play some defense, let's get some points, let's do this. And now I think we're a little bit different than that. I still think we have that in our in our toolbox, but I don't think we're still that team that parks the bus. I think now we're more of a a bit of a counter-attacking team, but if we have a little bit of that possession, we can definitely hurt you. But we're a team of chances. We get the opportunity, we're going to most likely try to hurt you with those opportunities. When we do get that goal, though, you're not going to be scoring on us. So that's that's probably what I would say. Yeah, that is probably uh, the stuff of nightmares for U.S. national team fans who are, know that our biggest weakness is breaking down a lower block. So do you expect the match between the U.S. and Iran to look like that, where the U.S. is trying to hold possession and break down that lower block? It's it's tough because the big thing is, just like in 1998, this game is the third game in the group. And so it depends many factors going into this game. It depends if USA have more points than Iran, you're going to probably be expecting Iran to maybe go out a little bit for the game, just like they did against Bosnia in 2014, which arguably was one of the worst games I've seen in, in Iranian footballing history. But we did score on that. That was our only World Cup goals in that game. So um, potato, potato. <laughs> it depends. Whoever has more points going to that game is feeling more comfortable, which I'm thinking and I maybe your viewers might hate me. I think it will be Iran going into it with four points. I'm come kind of confident about that. And the U.S. will be only having two points. That's kind of my prediction so far going into this. I think U.S. will be pushing more. And Iran will get to play more of their game where they're going to be able to sit back, spring on the counterattack. And then that's where I think the U.S. might be gassed a bit. I think U.S. will put a lot of their eggs in their basket in that England game. And I think they will get a point out of it and they'll make that upset because a point against England is still an upset in my opinion. And I think the Iran game, I want to say I would, I think I see Iran winning this one, not comfortably, but I think it could be like a one nil, two nil game for Iran because it's going to fit their style. I mean, we've seen it with the U.S. against like the likes of El Salvador, Honduras, Jamaica, especially away. That's the big thing a lot of people got to think about. And it's not really actually spoken about at all. So this is a nugget that all pundits and, uh, creators should probably take in consideration is this is in qatar this is in a neighboring country to iran where some of the players play domestically in iran and some actually play in qatar as well and so this is they're going to be adjusted to the climate the time zone the culture and people would say well that doesn't really matter in football it, it really does actually because they'll be more acclimatized to what's going on around them and they also some of the asian world cup qualification games were in these stadiums in qatar so Maybe if you're going to put some dark horses on your list for the World Cup, I'd maybe I'd maybe tip the the Asian nations to be those guys. So I think it just depends really going into it who has more points, who's going to get out of their comfort zone more. But I will back that Iran will have more points hopefully going into this final game against the U.S. And I know there's there's for the older generation of U.S. fans they're gonna they they want that vengeance for '98. But I don't see it happening. This team's too young to even think about 98. They were just born in 98 or even later. than A that. lot of them haven't been, hadn't been. Um, so we have never beaten Iran in a competition that mattered. We've, we haven't won either of the two times that we played them in the World Cup. And you mentioned comfort in the Asian nations. I want to just talk about that first game against England because the English schedule in the Premier League is going to take a pause only eight days before that first game against Iran. Do you see that as a really big advantage in the Iran versus England game? 
Yeah, I was. It's funnily enough, I was just thinking about this last night. I was thinking about the game. I was like, yeah, the schedule. Yeah, I know. Two good minds think alike. We need to keep this up. I think these are things that people, especially English, even American um, pundits, channels are not discussing these things. Maybe for these smaller nations, the the games being like delayed a bit more, like in regards to like they don't have, they're not as like as within close proximity of when it starts or even they're already there or they're closer to the host nation is a big thing. These are things that make that small difference in preparation, mental health, nutrition, just how you feel. You're just going to feel better. And it's a little bit worrisome for the, for the English players that they might be a little bit gassed from uh, playing the premier league. But I mean, we got to slightly digress because a lot of the, even the U S and Iranian players, not a lot, but there's a handful for Iran playing in Europe as well. But I think this could be an advantage, and I think U.S. I mean, not U.S. Sorry, Iran could stun some people. I still even think for the U.S. as well. This is not going to be a cakewalk group for England. And I think I want to hope. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm praying that I think Iran can hopefully get a point out of this game, and they have to. They need to get something out of this this opening game because then they're going to have to play catch up for the last two. And I think all Iranians are due one big. Uh, World Cup from Iran to finally get out of the round of 16 because that's their biggest curse is they've never made it out of the the group stages and I've been saying for four years since 2018 I can't wait for 2022 because I think this is finally it because I was so proud of how we performed in 2018 I think with that performance hopefully going into this and hopefully the stars align where Iran get a lot of friendlies against competition not Uzbekistan like competition in World Cup caliber nations that they can get a point against England. I I'm somewhat fairly ish confident about that. It's so difficult, right? Because you you only have three matches to make it matter. So even if there's consistency built in, or you have more expected goals than your opponent, that that all matters over a season, over fifty games. But in three matches in the World Cup, anything can happen. So that might play a part in the good results that Iran might have, or the poor results, but that, that's kind of where I feel as a U.S. national team fan, this could really go either way. Just like because the team is so young and inexperienced, the results I'm expecting are going to be extremely volatile. Like we could get seven points or we could get zero. And both of those things are just as likely to happen. Yeah, I think for the U.S. too, it, it could really go... This is how I genuinely feel about it. It could really go. You guys could finish up to first or could finish dead last. It's really yeah. like up in the air for the U.S. Like I'm, I'm confident the U.S. could eat, could easily top this group. And I'm not even joking. They can easily do it. But, you know, there's Greg Berhalter tax. There's, you know, it's a young team and it's a tough group. If USA maybe we're in a maybe a, I, mean, I don't think any group is actually easy in this World Cup out, outside of group A maybe, but USA, it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky for them. And at the end of the day, I think also for US fans, regardless of what happens, I think US should be happy that they're in this World Cup and they garner this experience. Cause I think the end goal for the United States of America is 2026. It's not 2022. I think pe- people are somewhat jumping the gun a little bit with this one. Like, we could make the quarters, we can make the semis. Like, yeah, I just be happier here. You're playing against nations like England. You're 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 stirring back up these rivalries again. And getting this experience for 2026, because I think that's where U.S. could be like, okay, we got a World Cup under our belt. We played against great nations like England, Iran, either Wales, Scotland, Ukraine, and we have that in our back pocket. Now let's learn from these mistakes and let's do it in this World Cup on home soil. And that's when U.S. play their best is on home soil. When they don't play at home, USA are quite fraudulent (laughs) when they don't play at home. So, 
I mean, honestly, I, I completely agree with that assessment. And for me, it's difficult when you're a content creator and you want to be very positive about the, the team and their development, which I really am. But at the same time, I think it's just good in itself that we're getting experience, that we're getting three games at least in this World Cup. If we make it to the knockout stages, great. It's a it's a really nice group, I think, for the U.S. to just get experience against a very um, variable piece of teams like England, Iran, and whoever wins that European playoff are all going to be very different opponents. So just for me as a fan of the U.S. national team going into 2026 is kind of like that is when our players are going to be 27, 28, 29 years old. That's when they'll have six or seven years playing together in the chemistry. That's when they'll have a World Cup of experience under their belt. But now it's kind of like we could make it to the knockout rounds. We could make it to the quarterfinal. But it's it's just as likely that we get knocked out in the group stage. Yeah, it's 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 scary for U.S. fans because I am a little worried if U.S. finish third or fourth, how the fans will react. But I think you should <laughs> react positively because this is we we've mentioned this so many times on today's video. This is such a young team that you don't need to worry. Don't worry about a thing. Everything will be all right, <laughs> as it was said once. Doing in a, a sing along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so. I, th I think this will be a positive game. And as you said, there's a widespread on these nations. Like you're, you're, I think most likely if I were to put my bottom dollar on, I think Wales will end up being that nation that get out. Yeah. You know, you're playing against a, a nation as well that hasn't been in a World Cup in who knows how long. You're playing against Iran, who are the best team in Asia. I know you guys beat Qatar, who are the Asian Cup champions. But on that was soil. <laughs> and it barely. Was, yeah, it was, yeah, that too. But that that Asian Cup, if a lot of people watch it, was extremely rigged. It was like one of the most fraudulent tournaments <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. So you, there's a little bit of context behind that. And then England, who are supposedly the powerhouses of European soccer, which they are, but they haven't been that successful either. They've had moments, brain farts as well. So as much as they're amazing, they're as easy. They're you can beat them as well. So there's the optimism yeah. there. I think there's there's hope in both fan bases between the U.S. and Iran where it's kind of like, yeah, England, keep underestimating us. That's yeah. totally fine with us. Um, all right, so back to the Iranian national team. We got off a little bit on a tangent there. Talk to us a little bit about who the key players are. I know there's players at Porto, at Leverkusen, in good leagues, but where's kind of the spread throughout this team? You mentioned some players are playing in the Qatar League, some players are playing in the Gulf leagues, like what, what does that look like? Where are your players playing? So it, it very much varies, but in regards to some key players, I think people, you got everyone whip out your notebooks, whip out your laptops. I'll name a couple of them. And I would like people to maybe just look into them and just, you know, learn a thing or two about new players or use them in FIFA, play, use them in FIFA just for the hell of it. My ultimate team is full of Iranians. I have nothing else on my ultimate team. So Two players that I mentioned early on in this video is Mehdi Tadami and Sardar Azmoun. I won't go too deep into it because I think a lot of people will know who they are. And Mehdi Tadami was a guy that was super close to winning the Puskas best goal of the whole year, where he scored that bicycle kick against Chelsea in the Champions League. He's a guy that, in my opinion, is the best player in Liga Nos. And here's a fun little stat. In 2021, was in the top five leagues in Europe, was the fifth highest goal and assist contributor combined. Fifth in the top five leagues in Europe. So I consider him a world-class striker. I had this discussion with Filippo from Tactical Manager TV. He says, let's hold back on the, the world-class. <laughs> I, I think he's world-class. So This is your episode, man. <laughs> oh, own it. <laughs> and Sardar Azmoun was a guy that 
he actually never really played in in Europe much. Like, well, he played in Russia, but like, it's it's Russian football. There's only so much you can get. But he scored a lot of big goals in the Champions League. He scored against Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, Chelsea, and now he's finally had his big move to Bayern Leverkusen. And he's just been injured since he started because the move was supposed to be at the end of the year. So it was like Pulisic signing for Chelsea. It was done in January, but the move was supposed to be at the end of the season. But they expedited it, and he ended up coming in January. And so he came to the team hurt, and he's just starting to get into the the groove of things. And hopefully he'll start banging on with goals. But let's go a little out of the realm. Let's talk about some players that maybe you've never heard of. And I want to go with back to front. So I want to talk about Amir Abedzadeh, who is our goalkeeper, who plays in the second league of La Liga for Pomferadina. And he, everyone talks about Ali Reza Baranvant, who was our goalkeeper in 2018 now. Iconic, saves Cristiano Ronaldo's penalty, has a great storyline background where he was homeless for a very long time and then became a professional very late on. And saving Cristiano Ronaldo's penalty was arguably the best goalkeeper in the 2018 World Cup with only three games played. But he's kind of, he hasn't, since 2019, hasn't been a start, a consistent starter for a team, which is an issue actually the U.S. have where now all their starters are now bench warmers. And that's probably yeah. a big thing that, now Baron Vaughn's struggling with since he's made that move to Europe. But Amir Abedzadeh, a little bit younger as well, and is more of that modern style goalkeeper, made a big move from Portugal to uh, the second uh, second division in La Liga. And I think he's been arguably one of the best goalkeepers in that league. And his dad, uh, fun fact, was a legendary goalkeeper for Iran back in 98. And he was the goalkeeper that played in the game against the U.S. So there's a little bit of parallels there. And then... The next player I want to talk about, since it's going to be in Qatar, I want to talk about Saeed Ezzatullahi. He was a, he's a guy that's right now on loan in the Qatar in the Qatari league, and he's a guy that bossed up the midfield when we played against Spain. I think it's one of the best individual performances I've ever seen from an Iranian. And Saeed, when he's on his game, he's not like a Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, but he's Saeed Ezzatullahi, and in my heart, he is my Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Yunus Musa. He's not the fastest, but he, he kind of has a little bit of that Jorginho role at, at, in Iran, and he's playing in the Qatari League right now, and so he's getting that more of that experience in Qatar, which is really good. He's on loan from Denmark, and I think he's a, a really, really good player. And I know he's not on that level like you guys have, and I'm very envious of that, but I think he's I think he could he could do some bits. If, if we play our system, Saeed ex, excels very well in that system, and I think when he's on his game, he is on his game like he was against Spain, and if you guys ever want to rewatch that game, just look out for number six wearing the red. And then the one last player I want to mention, this is the guy. He's my favorite player. And I'm going to mention Ali Reza Jahanbashk. He's a guy that in 2017-18 exploded on the scene with AZ Alkmaar. He won the golden boot in the Eredivisie. He got the second most assists. And as Iranians were like, holy shit, this guy is good. Because we've never really had like an insanely good individual player in one of the big leagues in Europe. He killed it for AZ and then made a big move to Brighton. And Chris Hewen parked the bus merchant and then Grant Potter didn't really favor him. But when he did, Ali Reza had a small stint of really good form. This was right before lockdown. So lockdown really screwed him quite a bit. But he, you know, he scored a goal against Bournemouth, scored that bicycle kick against Chelsea. I don't know what's up with Iranians scoring bikes <laughs> against Chelsea, but that's... Just how the cookie crumbles, I have no idea. But he's right now at Feyenoord, and he's the captain of our national team, and this is going to be his third World Cup, and he's just hitting his prime, and I'm really excited for him. I think he's a guy that if 
if things hit the fan for Sardar or Mehdi, he's also a guy that can get them into the play. He's very creative. He's He's got that Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna spark to him. And he's in his prime now. And he's now our captain. And he has that maturity, that leadership. He's not that young buck anymore. And <clears throat> I think he could be a guy that adds that creativity. He could play as a 10. He can play out wide as a, as a right winger. But he mainly is a right winger. He can cut to his left. He can cut to his right. Similarly to your guys' wingers. And can be deadly for us. And can put in a great cross if needed. And, now that was a lot of experience. Now he's played in the Premier League. Yeah, it wasn't maybe successful, but you know now he's he's gone through some adversity, and these are things you need in a World Cup. So I will say those are the three. So look up Amir Abedzadeh, Saeed Ezatulahi, and Ali Reza Jahanbash. I think those are three players that Iranians should uh, keep their eyes out on. I'll, I'll put their names in the description and probably playing over you when you're talking about them. We'll have some highlights. All right, one last question for you. You mentioned some of the key players, but... Where is kind of the hole in the team? And if you could pick any player across the world to fill that gap in your team and make you confident to qualify for the knockout stages, who would you pick to fill that gap and build a team around for a run? Wow, this is an amazing request. This is a, Are you my genie? <laughs> You're answering all my wishes right now. Um, I've never really thought about this, but I think... A big hole that Iran has is maybe in the defense in regards to we don't have any like star-studded defenders. I don't think defense is our biggest issue, but on on the face of it, everyone's like, well, Iran doesn't have any big name players. Like you got like the US has like John Brooks and Walker Zimmerman and you know, names that people have heard about. And I would say maybe left back, because right now Milad Mohammad D was a free agent for like literally six, seven months. Now he got signed by AK Athens, but he hasn't quite been the same since 2018. And if you want to know who Milad Mohammad is, he's the guy who tried to do that flip throw against uh, Spain. So <laughs> that's who I'm talking about. And right now we're using a, a young player, uh, Omid Norof Khan, who plays in the Iranian league. And so I would say I'd take a left back. Which left back would I take? Uh, who's the best left back in the world right now? Hmm. I maybe take Alfonso Davies. I love to have Alfonso nice. Davies at the left. And, you know, I, I like Fonzie, especially as a guy that came straight out of MLS. It's so crazy to think to this day he's as big as he is because I met him when he was 16 when he played for the Whitecaps when the Sounders played against him. And yeah. I never thought he'd be this big of a player that he is today. And that's it. I'm really happy to see that because it just shows that MLS isn't isn't in a retirement league. If anyone says that, I don't want to hear it. So, yeah, I'd say Alfonso Davies at left back. I take him. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for teaching us. Like that's genuinely what this video is all about. And I feel like I learned a lot as a fan of the U S national team. I have a little bit more fear now going into our group stage, but I think that's healthy to just have a realistic expectation of who these teams are that we're going to come up against. Cheyenne, thank you so much for joining us. Tell the people what they need to go watch. What's up with your channel and where can they find you? Um, first and foremost, I want to say thank you so much for having me on and letting me talk about the Iranian national team on your platform. And I appreciate everyone watching and, you know, you learned a little bit more and I'm glad my mission was accomplished. I, I drew a little bit of fear and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> into your soul. And so just, if you want to check me out, just look up next generation football on YouTube. Simple as that. And got loads of, as I said, I make content about MLS, CONCACAF football, Iranian football. So I hopefully will have some more videos going in depth about this group for Iran and then also the groups for the, all three of the CONCACAF teams that have qualified up to this point. Hopefully Costa Rica will 
pitch in and add into the, you know, big ups to the CONCACAF. So hopefully Costa Rica can make it in as well. So just go check check me out there. Just Next Generation Football on YouTube. Awesome. Cheyenne from Next Generation Football. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see everyone next time on FIFA America. Peace. And thanks so much to our sponsor for today's video, Bet Online. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.